From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. An encounter with a possible alien-human hybrid this hour when David Emmons joins me in mere minutes. Uh, this is quite a remarkable story. A second hour, former attorney, now broadcaster, Ted Marr, drops by from the Pacific Northwest, Seattle. Or is it Chas? We'll find out. Ted is a, a very interesting fellow. He insists he's found an entrance into the interior of the hollow earth at Mount Shasta in Northern California. And he's also figured out how to time travel using a particular meditation technique. I have to send out birthday greetings to my mom, North uh, Norma Serrett. She is 95 years young today. And uh, my brother and sisters were over at her house for a backyard barbecue. Um, my boys and I and the mighty Aphrodite will go to see her Tuesday. But we reached out to her on Zoom uh, this afternoon. And she was looking, I must say, absolutely resplendent. In her enormous, magnificent sun hat, she looks she looks great, and she is, thank God, in terrific health. Still loves to laugh. Uh, she really um, is a force of nature. She had a bad fall earlier this year. She broke a rib, uh, but she has bounced right back. And uh, uh, sometimes she'll go out into her uh, her garden and she'll pull weeds, and sometimes she'll try and do a little too much, and then she'll get a sore back. And then she'll say, I just have to remind myself I'm not 85 anymore. Happy birthday, Mom. I love you. Uh, Carlos Cagini is my technical producer. Ryan White is my live stream producer. And we are live streaming on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Make sure to like and hit the red sub button. We're trying to get to 21,000 subscribers. Dave Emmons joins us to talk about his experience with alien implants, abductions, and hybrids. Dave has his own radio program at KCOR Radio. He served as a combat leader in Vietnam and also received top-secret nuclear weapons training. After leaving the U.S. Army with an honorable discharge, Dave worked as an electrician, a businessman, and a musician. He had his first UFO contact at the age of 14. Dave Emmons, climb aboard, sir. How are you? I'm fine, uh, Richard. How are you? It's it's nice being back on your show. Yes, indeed. Great yeah. to have you. Where is KCOR Radio? KCOR Radio is out of Las Vegas. And as uh, Tina Coet, she's the CEO and also the producer and a very sharp producer and and I, you know, I guess like you, she, she produces the show and all I have to do is worry about uh, talking to the guest. <laughs> so that's nice to have a producer. Uh, you're, right. in a, you're in a position to have producer. But, yeah, I'm just uh, uh, just, a, I guess, a, a beginning flunky. Not really, but I was I was in journalism through my college years. So I had radio and TV journalism back then and the top secret security clearance. I dumped that uh, going to school in Redstone Arsenal because I was only about oh, about ready to turn 20. I didn't like the military intelligence people coming in every week and talking to us. And we were going to end up in some basement in uh, Sandia, New Mexico. So I got out of the class. I had to go to the post uh, chaplain to get out. But my brother got orders for Vietnam and his wife was about ready to have a baby. So I said, no, I, I will go for him. So I went instead yeah. of him. Oh, I didn't realize you could do that. You could switch yeah, for right. somebody. Yeah, Interesting. If, if, if it's your brother, yes, a sibling, uh, I, they still have that. Uh, you don't have to serve. Two brothers don't have to serve in the same combat area. Oh, I see. Yeah. So wow. I was able to bump his That's arc quite a, and went. Quite a yeah. sacrifice. Quite yeah, a sacrifice. Yeah, I ended up uh, being an in, uh, infantry, a platoon sergeant, a platoon leader, and ended up being an in infantry. And uh, I, well, I did a good job and uh, it made made a man out of me. So 
I don't know what the uh, top secret security Sandia, New Mexico would have turned out to be, but uh, you know, roads split, whatever we go different ways. And right. I, well, you've had quite a quite a varied career: businessman, musician, some right. journalist training, now a broadcaster. Let's talk about your first UFO contact at the age of fourteen. What happened? Okay, it was a, a buddy of mine. We were in Alton, Illinois. That's I'm still in Alton, really. I come back from Alaska for a couple of years and come back here. But it was a, a, an evening, summer evening. We were out of school, and uh, it was about 10.30 at night. We were sitting on his steps, and he lived with his dad in the downstairs apartment. And uh, we were out drinking a Pepsi and a glass bottle. If th- that'll age me right there. And we were listening to it. <laughs> I remember those. Yeah, I, I, and we were listening to a 10 transistor radio and a snapping and popping. And I asked my friend, I said, didn't you change the batteries? He said, yeah, he did. And then we smelled something. And it was kind of like sulfur smell, but uh, what all my research and my age and my experience. But after that, I found out it was ozone smell. So we looked up, we saw these two uh, bright little, they weren't big lights. They were smaller lights, but they were bright. And there was one red light in the back of this. this uh, it was a dark object, what we can see at that time, just over the treetops. So we got up on the street, him and I, and he grabbed a, a flashlight. He started blinking at this thing with a flashlight. And maybe that was a way of communicating. They, they communicate in light, I believe. And if you blink something at them, like a laser or a flashlight, they will note that. And they'll actually, you know, I guess just stand there or, or just be still and, note, and notice you. But we walked up to this empty lot. It was only about two, three houses up the street. And we walked up to this empty lot, stood there, and we was actually overlooking my backyard. Uh, I lived on the other side of the street uh, through a wood line, and it was my backyard that this this craft it was thirty feet wide, about fifteen wow. feet tall, and it it was dark on the bottom, and we kept looking at it and we pinched each other to see if it was real, and we couldn't believe it. He was thirteen, he was a little younger than me, but uh, we were both of age to know what we were seeing. But he he pinched me too hard, and I said, "Ow, that hurt." And he says, well, I had to make sure we're not dreaming. I said, well, do it to yourself. So we kind of, as a kids, we were clowning around a little bit, but we weren't really that frightened about it, but we was just awestruck looking at this thing. It looked like one of these bubbly tops that uh, back in the old times where you wound them up with a little corkscrew or whatever it was. And it had a bottom part that was kind of pudgy. And then a second layer that had windows or portals in it. And I didn't want to look at the windows and portals because I didn't want them to look out. I didn't want to see what they looked like. On top, there was kind of like a bubble cap, just like a cap. And then it had right. two an- antennae sticking out. So it must right. have been. Sounds like the quintessential UFO sighting, really. It, yeah. It, this it, is in the middle of the day? No, this was is it? at night. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. It was right. at night. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, yeah. Sorry, excuse me, Dave, but you said something interesting. Uh, initially, you said it's you smelled sulfur, right? And then you said, but it was ozone. But sulfur and ozone are very different. Like sulfur, I mean, that's a very distinct smell. Um, and I, I was I, I recently had a demonologist on the program, and and he talked about you know sulfur, uh, the smell of sulfur when there was what he considered to be demonic activity. Have you ever? thought there might be a connection there no not really because what happened after after we stood there for a while we 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 lost track of time we didn't really know what happened after that and we were looking at the craft and we we nothing happened we just we were just frozen i guess that's when they dumb you down i would imagine they they they, they shoot this magnetic energy at you, and they dumb you down, and everything's okay. It's kind of like having two or three cocktails, and you're just chilled out, and you're mellow. And what happened was we just we stood there, and then we, all of a sudden, we, we kind of come back to ourselves again. And I saw this craft. I drew it out, and it's amazing how when you draw, how simple it is, you draw something out. And you can actually place where you've been and, and where the where the it come what direction it come and where it was setting. It was setting in the southwest when I drew it out and it was taking off in the west. I mean it just shot out right through the clouds and uh, I it just it was just moving really fast. So both of us went to our homes. I went to my house, my mom had the door locked, and she said 
don't you know what time it is? I said, no, I don't, Mom. I said, I just saw a UFO, a flying saucer. And she says, get in the house, a flying saucer, your butt. And I said, okay. <laughs> she wasn't buying it. No, she not. No, she she wasn't. She thought it was just a trick to stay out late. But uh, my buddy went to his dad, and he said, he said, hey, Dad, I saw I saw a flying saucer. And he said, yes, yeah, son, yeah, yeah, go to sleep. You know, so uh, my mom was mad because she had to go and open up the door, and it was late. I don't even know she really knows right. what time it was. Now she ha- she's not being able to tell me. You know, remember that she's ninety two, and I'd appreciate what you said about your mother. Uh, God bless your mom and you. You you love your yeah, mom. Yeah. Sounds like it. And my mom's ninety two, and she's still very bright and very. Uh, you know, she she can talk very well. She's got she can she can tie a whole sentence together. <laughs> she's Biden can't do that. <laughs> but, uh, That's true. That's true. But so there was some missing time there. Do you think? I mean, does that if if there was. That might be an indication of an abduction. Yes, uh, I can tell you what I've had. I've had a regression, uh, a, a real lucid dream. I was sitting on this metal table. It was in a dark room. It was kind of warm. I felt it was kind of warm, and I was really groggy, just like you were after a surgery, after an anesthetic. And I was trying to put on a shirt that was too small for me. And I remember trying and trying. I couldn't do it. And then apparently things changed. My my uh, buddy was a little smaller than me. I was a little chubby guy at that time, and still am, I guess. But uh, he he had a he had a smaller shirt, and I couldn't get it on. These were button shirts that we wore back then. So I we finally I guess got the right clothes. But as a journalist, I keep track of notes, and I have a ledger. It's it's getting about three hundred pages long now. I've had some new things happen since February. And but the, I keep this ledger and the notes in it. But I I remember everything by heart. I, I take no notes on when I'm talking. These things, when they're burned in your mind, you never forget them. But the fact I have to follow the facts. And one fact that we saw this UFO, correct. We saw it. But then afterwards, I had that lucid dream. And then secondly, three weeks or four weeks afterwards, somewhere in there. I was I felt something in my left testicle and it was kind of solid and I thought what is that and then I looked down and there was a thin red line a real thin red line like a laser cut I I looked at that and I said I wonder what that is so I kept pushing this this object towards that red line how I thought about doing all that together at 14 I must have been I had some thought or some premonition that something was there that I can push out. So I kept pushing it out this red line, and it finally popped out. And then I had it in my hand. It was a, it looked like a little M and M or a little Advil pill, and it was it right. was like, yeah, and it was ash color, kind of light. And as I held it out, it, it started getting darker and darker as I held it out. And I showed my mom. And she says, get rid of that thing. She said, that's probably an ingrown hair or something. I said, no, Mom, there was a hole cut for it. She looked at me. She said, a hole? I said, yeah, a thin red line in my testicle. I said, it was cut to take it in or out. And then she stopped. She, could, she didn't have an answer for that. She goes, throw it away. Just, just throw it away. Uh, come to find out, she had her own UFO experiences when she was a child with her family. And she had them, she's had them in the last... 30, 40 years also. Uh, Ah, Well, they say it's generational. And what about your buddy? Uh, Does he have, is he still with us? Does he have memories of this? Uh, Yes, he does have memories of it. Uh, I talked to him just last week. Uh, We get together and a lot of times people will bring it up, especially my older brother. He's always interested to hear the story again. But yeah, we talk about it. The last time we talked about it was about a year ago and we we compare notes on it and uh, he's never had at least he says he's never had a follow-up visit like I have. I've had uh, all kinds of different things uh, happen to me. The, the the implant in my testicle, I knew was there because the the thin red line laser cut. Right. Uh, that 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 was a fact that uh, something. What happened to that implant, Dave? What happened to the implant? Do you still my mom, have it? No, no. My mom told me to throw it away. Uh, we didn't even have cameras back then. We were a kind of a large family. We couldn't really afford too much, so we didn't really have a camera or would have taken a picture of it. Uh, but that's a long time ago, and and so sure. uh, 
but that's uh, that's how I had proof that yes, we were taken on board that ship because of the implant and be- also because of the lucid dream that I had being inside a darkened room. That's the first of of many encounters, yeah, right? Uh, was that the one and only abduction? No, no, no. That wasn't. Uh, I I was playing music and going to school a lot. As a matter of fact, I passed out uh, working so much, and the doctor told me to slow down. It was 20 years after that, well, probably a little longer than that. It was 1996 when I had my first face-to-face with E.T. again. So I was in bed, and I was with my ex-wife at the time and had an adopted daughter. And she liked to keep it dark in the room. So we kept it dark. We put the blankets over the drapes. So there was something coming in the room. It It was kind of shadowing the mirror on the dresser. I got up on my elbow and I had my cheek uh, in my hand and I said, I told, I called out her name and several times she wouldn't answer. I thought she was coming in to get aspirins out of our medicine cabinet because she had headaches a lot and something walked around the corner of the bed. It walked, I, I, so I changed my, my hands and I thought it was going to be her to ask me where the medicine's at. And I put my hand in my, uh, my, my face and I looked at this thing. It was about three and a half feet tall. And it looked right at me, and I looked at it for about five or six seconds. I thought I was going to crap in the bed. I mean, I was oh, scared. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> this thing had— Was bigger, it a typical gray? Typical gray? I, uh, not like a lot of people. The commercial grays are too smooth. Uh, this one here was wrinkled. I mean, he was really wrinkled. His, he didn't have the black lens on his on his eyes, telling me that those black lenses are optional. So— this, his eyes were like ours. He had the white pupils. I couldn't see what color they were, but they were dark eyes. And he was really wrinkled. He had a small little cut for a mouth and two little holes for a nose. And he had the bigger eyes than us. And uh, three and a half feet, he was gray-green in the dark. It looked like it was a, a, a contrasting gray and green-looking uh, individual. But when he stared at me for a while, I just went limp and I fell asleep. I fell asleep. Uh, after that, I guess, I guess it was about an hour or so when I woke up and I asked my wife, I said, did you see or hear anything? And she goes, no, go to bed. And so I went to the restroom and I splashed cold water in my face because my eyes were just, I mean, they were just moving it rapidly. I was having a, a closing. I was closing my eyes and opening them real fast. And it was like a nervous tick. And I said, what's going on? So I splashed more cold water in my face and walked around, tried to shake it off. And I was going to work early that morning, so I, I couldn't go back to bed. I was so hyped up. So I went in and watched TV, and I, I just thought, wow, they're back. Uh, you know, this is something I remember back in 63. I, I thought myself, I heard that they followed people. And, and I, I thought maybe after 20 years or so, being real busy, they might have visited me, and I never knew it. Because uh, 50% of the maybe people— they, Maybe they couldn't—maybe they—excuse me, Dave. Maybe they couldn't find you because you took out the tracking device. Uh, is poss- that possible? Possibility. That's yeah. That's a possibility. But uh, but what I'm getting at uh, is is that they. I was I was the first thing come to my mind is they're they're back, and because of the the event back in 1963, and then I just had that same feeling here a while back, and I'll get into that uh, real quick though. But no, uh, getting back to the sulfur and the and the ozone. I guess the clarification on that. I always, when I smelled ozone, I thought it was, it was kind of sulfur smell. That's why I acquainted it with that. And you ah. probably correct, but it did smell like sulfur. But it was it was burning at the bottom of the ship because it was black at the bottom of the ship where it come into the uh, atmosphere. Uh, it must have come in pretty fast, and it, it was burning uh, the oxygen dioxide and the carbon dioxide and the carbon monoxide is burning all that and causing a, a sulfur smell, I guess. I, I call it. Ozone, but it may not be the ozone uh, smell that uh, everybody's used to. But I thought I smelled ozone once, and it smelled like that. That's why I say that. But it was a strong sulfur smell to get down to the bottom dollar of it. Uh, but yeah, I I knew that they were back after nineteen seven uh, nineteen ninety six. That was in ninety six when that happened. And so between, just excuse me, Dave. There, so between sixty three and ninety six, there was nothing. Nothing that was confronted with, not nothing I did. I saw. I could have been visited, but I, I didn't know it uh, because right. I did a lot of playing and music and and the rock guys. We drank a lot. I didn't do drugs, but I I drank a lot. 
And so I was out most of the time, or I was even too tired to even, if, a, if an alien come in, I would have just rolled around and say, okay, uh, do what you want. You know, I, bit, I was so tired right. and worked so hard during those years. Uh, and like you said, maybe they did lose track, but if they did, then that means that the family thing is not, uh, is may, it may not be the, the thing that's involved with my Interesting. Listen, Dave, I got to jump in here because we've got a break coming up. All right. Uh, just sit tight. When we come back, we'll, we'll talk about your encounter with a, uh, a possible human alien hybrid. Dave Emmons, my guest. More to come on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, welcome back. Just want to give you a heads up. Coming up in early July, the first week of July, the first of a series of what I'm calling digital town halls or web conferences I'll be hosting. And the first one is July the 9th, featuring... Jim Elvidge, the author of Digital Consciousness, A Transformative Vision, and uh, he'll join me for 90 minutes, a 60-minute presentation and interview, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A. This will all take, uh, take place uh, over Zoom, and uh, again, more details will be coming shortly at strangeplanet.ca. I will be creating a special landing page that I'll be directing to you, uh, directing you to to uh, to subscribe and for more information. I just wanted to put that out there early, but more details coming soon. Uh, a series of web conferences, the first with Jim Elvidge on digital consciousness, coming up. <clears throat> excuse me. On July the ninth. All right, back to uh, my conversation with David Emmons and um, David. Let's just jump right in and talk about. Uh, your encounter with a, a possible alien-human hybrid. Okay. Uh, I, I saw five up-close ships, but we can get to this hybrid thing uh, right here. Uh, I guess the, we can start off with it since it is a little lengthy story. But it was something in, in, uh, in it was 09, 2010, 2011, 2012. I had a lot of activity. I mean, a lot. I had airports. I had all kinds of things going on. I was abducted uh, electrically. I was almost shocked uh, to death, I thought. But here's, and this, the hybrid probably brought this on. I went to Sedona October 4th, and I went there and I rested for a couple hours, and I went out on the town. I went to visit this one shop. It was a jewelry shop. They told me there was a UFO scene at Cathedral Rock. In Sedona, those who know Sedona would probably know what I'm, uh, where I'm talking about. But sure, sure. What year is this, incidentally, Dave? Sorry, yeah, it's 2010, 20 October 2010. 2010. Oh, right, oh. Uh, okay. and it was about 6:30 in the evening. I pulled in the parking place there, Cathedral Rock, and I got my camera out, uh, my video camera. I started recording around the Cathedral Rock, hoping I can catch a UFO. And then here pulls in behind me a little white car. We were the only two in that car a lot there. So she pops out and uh, she was a, a Japanese gal, about five, four, something like that. And she wore a, a real thin white uh, sweater and she had the uh, denims on and they were, they were muddy at the bottom of the leg. And I, and I noticed that and I turned the camera to her and I, I filmed her and said, I'm here filming UFOs. And she just kind of looked at me. She put her hands together and she kind of looked at me like a little puppy. I couldn't figure it out. And I, I asked her, I said, are you going for a hike? Are you waiting for some friends? She goes, no, no, not. And she said, we were supposed to meet. I said, we were supposed to meet? I said, what's your name? And she said, Hiroko. And I said, mine's Dave. And I said, but I didn't know that we were supposed to meet. And she goes, yes, we were supposed to meet. I said, really? I said, well, you don't want to go out hiking because it started raining. So I said, you want to get in the car? And she did. And as soon as we got in the car, there was another car that pulled up beside me, about one uh, parking space over. This looked like a guy in his late 20s. He had close cropped hair. He had a headset on. And he never looked at me once. And I thought, okay, in my right mind, uh, if my, my, I guess, combat thinking, I would think, okay, I'm, I'm, this is a setup. There's something going on here. 
But apparently when she looked at me, she had such strong, dark uh, eyes that it just uh, – I told her, I said, quit looking at me like that. You're burning a hole in the back of my head. And I, and I knew that there was some energy there that – uh, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't too uh, happy about. I, I, right. I, I see right through. Let me, me just let me ask you something because here you've you've met this woman for like ten seconds, and already you've invited her into your car. Was she having some hypnotic effect on you? Because that that's not you don't that's not on. You don't invite a complete stranger into your car, right? Yes, she did have control of me in that in that way when it started raining. I said, "Okay, you want to you want to go in the car and talk?" And she goes, "Sure." Yeah, I, I was just saying that I wasn't. I I was just kind of mellowed out, like, "Okay, nothing's going on here." But otherwise, uh, you know, I had a license, carry a gun. I had a gun in my in my console, and I would have taken some kind of evasive action, but I didn't think about it. I it was kind of like I was. Uh, I said, "Okay, this is fine." I she didn't carry nothing. She didn't have a weapon on her, or she didn't carry a purse. She didn't have rings. She didn't have jewelry. Uh, she didn't have a cell phone. She had nothing. And so I thought, okay, she can't be too harmful if, if she has nothing on her. I just thought I'd talk to her. But we started talking, and this guy pulled up. And I looked over, and I looked at her, and she looked at me. And But she was as she was talking, she would try to elicit uh, emotions from me. She'd say, what, do, what, did you, what would you do in case you had a fight with your coworker and this person doesn't like you? I said, well, I'd try to make peace. I said, because if you continue to fight, I said, you're going to get fired. And she said, okay. And then That's the, a strange question. Yes. That's a strange question. Yes, uh, a lot of red flags. And then she asked me, she said, my mom and dad uh, fight and they, they, uh, they make me you know, cry. And uh, I said, oh, really? And I said, uh, and this guy took off. And I kept kept my eye on him, and and I was the, talking. The guy with the headset. The guy with yeah, the headset. Right. The guy with the headset. That I thought maybe he might have been one of these alphabet people. I don't know, but right. I, I sat there and kept talking to her, and I, and then she said, uh, I, I I feel really sad. My mom and dad uh, are like that. And then she started crying. It was a put on cry, and I knew it. I kind of looked at her and said, What is this? I put my hand on her hand just to kind of calm her down and her hand was burning hot. I mean, it was really hot. I took my hand off hers. I said, you have a fever. Are you sick? She looks at me and goes, no, no. And I said, you're burning hot. I said, normally I said, this is cool night. I said, you just have a thin uh, sweater on. And I said, you should be chilly. And she goes, no, I'm not. I'm not. And then this guy pulls in again with the headset. I look over and I look at her and I said, do you know him? She goes, no. And at this time, when I turned around and looked at him, she shrank down in the seat. And I must have like been. Like she was hiding. Like she was hiding from him. Well, n- not that. It looked like she turned into a little gray. She, her eyes got bigger. And it oh, was she literally shrank. She physically yeah. shrank. Yeah. She kind of shrank. Ah. I, I thought I turned around. I looked at her. And then she kind of stared at me more to like saying, okay, don't do anything. Everything's fine. I looked at my console and I turned around and looked at this guy again parked next to us. And then she got back to regular size. She she got back up in the seat a little bit. I thought, what's going on? But I was so numbed down. They call it dumb down, actually. And it's a magnetic energy that they put on you that dumbs you down. So she kept talking and she said she knew 20 languages and she knew English, but she couldn't read English. So I, I read her a card. There was a card there in the card. And she said, would you read that for me? And I read it for her. And I said, you, you know 20 languages and you speak English very well. And I said, you can't read English? She goes, no, no, I can't. And, uh, and I, she said, we were supposed to meet. She told me that again in the car. I said, could you explain why were we supposed to meet? She said, we were. And, and she said, I'm, I'm glad to meet you. And I said, I'm glad to meet you too, but I don't know where this is, where this is all going. And then she said she had to have a baby. And I thought, you have to have a baby? And she goes, yes, I have to have a baby. Uh, this time, this guy pulled in for the third time after he left. And I thought for sure there was some kind of a connection. He was either CIA or something that was following her maybe. And they knew who she was. So she was in the car with me, and they were listening in to see what she was telling me, probably. I, that's my, my thoughts. She didn't give me anything that was technical, anything that I can glean from. I asked her, I said, are you an angel? She goes, no, I'm no angel. I said, 
you are from here, right? She goes, yes, I'm from Tokyo. I said, okay, uh, fine. And uh, so I Did think- Did she know it, anything about you? Did she know anything about you, about she, your personal life? She, no. Did she know your name? No, she did not say anything to, to, I guess, reveal herself. She kept everything quiet. I've always thought to myself, if a hybrid revealed themselves, they're gone. They're not going to be here on this planet any longer. They're going to be taken somewhere else and gone. So she didn't admit to anything. I mean, she even when I said UFO, she gave me a dirty look. So she, she was just real quiet and not telling me anything. And she knew about me, but she didn't tell me that she knew about me. So we took off. She went in her car and my car went back to the lodge. I asked her, I said, you want to meet for breakfast the next day? So we did. She was a little late getting there, and she didn't know anything about credit cards. I asked her, I said, you checked out of your room. Did you get your credit card and everything straightened out? She's a credit card. I said, yeah, you better call them and make sure you're checked out properly. That way they know that you're not going to stay another day. And so she called some room or some someplace. So we went and we ate, and we were standing there first and waiting in a line. of about 12 people. Here's another red flag that I took down uh, the night before I went to my lodge room. I took down a bunch of notes. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a journalist, and I keep notes. So I took about two or three pages of notes of things that she said and things that I, I thought was a red flag. Well, the next day, she was standing there looking at about 10, 12 people, and she said, all these people. I looked at her, and I said, all these people? She goes, yes, but Tokyo's got about a million people per block, you know, just about. Right. Uh, right. I mean, that number could be fictitious, but I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, the, she should, she should have seen a lots of people in, in, uh, in Tokyo. So, we went out visiting some of the, 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 I guess the buttes, and she, and she was, uh, wasn't saying much. I gave her some water. She didn't drink much water, and did she, she was, eat? Did you notice her eating? Yes, she ate a little bit. Yes, she ate a little bit of egg and what we had breakfast there. She ate a little bit, but not very much. And uh, the next day, she didn't eat very much when we finished our little tour. And she didn't say too much the next day to me, except again that she had to have a baby and we were supposed to meet. She kept repeating that, and it drove me crazy. Uh, So we went to this little pizza place, and she had a, a piece of pizza. And she had a little black bag this time, a little canvas bag. And it didn't look like something a lady would carry. And she still, no no jewelry, no glasses, no nothing on her. You know, so, uh, Did the she, man with the headset show up again? No, not during the day. But there was a strange guy that was, uh, he was a Japanese older gentleman. He had a bunch of camera gear on. And he walked past us one time. And then he, he was on top of airport uh, lookout there in, in Sedona uh, that afternoon. And we were looking out and he walked past us and he looked at me kind of weird i can tell when somebody's throwing some messages at you with your with their eyes i look right, at dave i gotta jump in here excuse okay. me we'll uh, take another time out come back continue to talk about your encounter with hiroko yes a potential alien human hybrid right. my name is richard sarah this is the conspiracy show don't go away Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Dave Emmons is here with a remarkable story, his encounter with a potential alien-human hybrid, Hiroko, a young Japanese woman he met in Sedona uh, near Cathedral Rock back in 2010, and... um, Dave has his own show at uh, KCOR Radio in Las Vegas. Just before we proceed, Dave, how do we listen to the show? When is it and how can we tune in? Well, uh, on a Thursday night at uh, 10 o'clock, my time, I have a two-hour show, and it's on KCOR, and it's out of Las Vegas. I'm in Illinois, so I do a Skype thing. I've had a guest. Grant Cameron was my opener, and I really like that guy. Uh, You know, we get along really well. And uh, I'm really appreciative he did my opener. And I've had uh, Peter Robbins, uh, Dave Marler, uh, Nancy Tremaine. I've had, you know, quite a few good guests. Uh, I have fun interviewing them. I guess you know that, too. It's it, You you learn a lot from each person you interview. Sure. And for, and sure. for me, uh, it's kind of an experience to, to put another piece of the puzzle together for me. Uh, okay, so, so K-Core, Thursday nights, 10 p.m. 
Pacific. Uh, so cent- 7 p.m. Eastern. Oh, 10 p.m. your time in Illinois. Okay, right. so that's central. So 9 p.m. Uh, sorry, 11 p.m. Eastern Thursday nights. And can we listen online? Uh, yes, you can. You can go to the archives of KCOR and listen to my shows online. And uh, there's several other shows or quite a few other shows on KCOR. Okay, so is that KCOR.com, KCOR.com? Right, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then Terrific. Can- okay. So uh, back to Sedona, and this is what, day three, day four? You're spending uh, some time with this young Japanese woman, Hiroko? It was, it was day two. It was the next day, day two. That, yeah, that we, we ate, and she was sitting there and looking at me. Her eyes were completely black and glistening. And I looked at her, and I said, Hiroko, you're staring again. And she says, I like you. I said, I like you, too. I was getting the impression, Richard, that this was kind of a daughter-type relationship. It was weird, but I was feeling that. And then she, she kept repeating again before she left, got in her car, she said she had to take off to Los Angeles. And I said, oh, really? She goes, yes. And so she left around 3. I stayed the night. And then the next day it started raining, so I left, went back home. Uh, what I didn't know was what happened that night, and I didn't have the regressed, uh, real lucid dream until later on. But we'll get here back to Hiroko. Six months later, this is where the proof of the pudding comes in, what I, how I say it, as, as far as uh, facts fall in line. Six months later, March 17th, 2011, her and two young Japanese boys I know it was her. They showed up at my door. At my, at my, they actually, the two boys were standing on the uh, driveway, and about it was about ten feet away from the front porch. And my cousin was with me. We were sitting there smoking a cigar and enjoying the nice weather, about seventy-two degrees on a, on a St. Patrick's Day, and in we, Illinois, in Illinois, in Illinois, right? And it was. It how was how did you exchange addresses? How did she find you? No, the only card I gave her was a card that had my name on it. And I give her my phone number or my email because she wanted me to send pictures. I got pictures of her, about nine of them, and she wanted me to send the pictures. That she was is very important that I send the pictures. I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll make sure. But we, I give her a card uh, with my email, and then she gave me her email. I had a detective friend look her email up, and he couldn't trace it. Uh, it was just nowhere to be found. But I wrote and sent her the pictures, uh, I guess, about two weeks or three weeks later. And I wrote her a couple of times, and uh, and it seemed like different people answered me in the emails, the different writing, different uh, – well, she couldn't print the, uh, English because so, she couldn't speak it. So somebody else was taking care of her. And there's always like uh, – I guess Dr. David Jacobs said there's three. There's a person at security, and that could have been the guy in the car. And number two, a sponsor. That could have been the older Japanese guy uh, that uh, gave us some some weird looks. And then three, the hybrid. And that's how they form up together and teach the hybrid how to melt into our, our society. But they need to learn our emotions. And that's why she was extracting them from me. And I realized – But again, she – but she shows up at your door in Illinois and you had not given your address. So no. how did no. she find you? I, I would, well, here's how she found me. I'll go to this first, then, then we'll, I'll, I'll come back to this. But I was in my room at the lodge, and it was room 14. And I was in a bed on the, on the I guess you'd say the left, the left side if you're facing the bed. And I was laying in that spot, and I, was, I was, woke up. Somebody was putting a brown tan hose down between my legs, and I kicked it away with my knee. And then they put me out. Then I went out. Then the, the lucid dream that I had is regression. Somebody was walking me back and forth in the room. I could see the patio doors in which it had. And I saw the little table and a chair sitting there. And uh, so that, 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 that entity was sitting there. And they was walking me back and forth. And they had a bright light about six inches wide. And it looked like a fluorescent tube. And it was taking it up, up and down my face and in my eyes. And it was it hurt every time it hit my eyes, and then uh, they must have left me alone. I think what they were trying to do was to erase my memory because they use light to erase memories. All and, right, I've got to take one final time 
Okay. I'm out here, Dave. Hold on. We'll come up. Uh, we'll come back in just uh, mere moments, and we'll finish up this remarkable story. Dave Emmons, my guest, and we are discussing a human-alien hybrid. And don't go away. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Dave Emmons is with us. Dave, we have about eight, nine minutes here, so we've got to bring this to some sort of a resolution as best we can. Uh, so again, she she arrives at your... Well, let me back up. So what do you think happened in that hotel room? Were they with, were they withdrawing something from you in yeah. order to create a, a, a baby in, in vitro? Yes, I, I saw the hose before between my legs and another incident in my home in uh, Godfrey. And uh, I, I know what that hose is. And that, that's the same one they use to go and they stimulate you and they, they get the semen from you and then they go. They get a sample and they're, they're done. Uh, that's how they usually do it. And I probably that's what that little green guy did to me. A gray green guy did after I went out. He probably did an electronic stimulation and got the semen. And uh, it's easy as that. They just get it, and they're they're gone. And they uh, they might check uh, check your DNA or whatever, but uh, it's it's so simple for them to do. And I saw the light that they used. I did see some of the technology. Uh, actually, in lucid dreams, I saw the light that they used to erase your memory. Uh, so that's exactly how they do it. But uh, it didn't it, work. They tried to no, erase your memory, but it didn't work. Yeah, I got I got most of it, but I don't know exactly what all went in uh, t- that night. But I got most of what was going on. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, it didn't really work. So maybe Hiroko wanted me to know some of that, that information. But it, it, on, uh, it was uh, March 17th, 2011. There was three of them standing at the stop sign. And then they all started walking towards us. My cousin looked and he said, those are Chinese coming towards us? I said, no, those are Japanese. I said, I think I know the lady. And... She stopped about halfway, turned her back uh, to us, and then two young boys finished walking up to my driveway. And I, she was just far enough away where I couldn't really see her face too well, and she turned her back to me. But I know the way she was standing, she had the same clothes on, the white little sweater and the denims. And I said, my, I told my cousin, I said, I know her. That's Hiroko. He said, who in the hell is Hiroko? I said, I'll tell you later. These two young guys come up. They were dressed, I guess, like, like young people dress, and they, they didn't look out of the way. But one of them looked like he was about 15. The other one looked like he was about maybe 16 or 17, and he was taller. And he's the one who asked me, he says, where is the new Walmart? And I thought, what a crazy question. Uh, so I said, it's over this viaduct, and it's right over there. And then that was the last words I was able to say. My cousin, I looked over to him. His head was hanging down. He was almost asleep. They, what they did is they dumbed us down. And we couldn't talk. I wanted to ask if that was Hiroko. Uh, you know, I wanted to find out who they were. Uh, I we couldn't talk. It was it was the weirdest thing I've ever did seen. Did they come in the house? Yeah, I could. Did they I, come in the house? Yes, one did. Uh, one walked right past me, got a little brown attaché case, and that's where I kept my UFO notes and the, actually the notes on his mother, should I say? And uh, and he opened up and he looked at me. And he looked inside the case, and I looked at him. I, I can only have the visuals. I couldn't talk. I couldn't. I was thinking, but I couldn't talk. I couldn't speak the words. We were totally dumbed down. And apparently, he walked past me again, put the brown uh, attaché case where 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 I left it. And I didn't think about it until later on. I said, "My goodness, he walked past me. I didn't even know it." So, yeah. Why it was, do you assume that he he was her son? It all kind of. Uh, Richard, it all kinds of fits together. They they've been taking DNA from me like '96. Uh, I knew for sure uh, that there was something done to me there. The, the little green gray guy wouldn't walk in that room for nothing. So I figured that happened then. And then by the time that these two, uh, they were probably teenagers at the time. I they so yes. Uh, these been, are your children, in other words. Could be. I've had people take a look at the pictures, and they said that. You see her cheekbones and the and her chin. It looks like my facial features. She doesn't look typically uh, the Japanese round face kind of. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now I'm confused. Yeah. Um, you said that these you had you addressed these boys as maybe 
be her children. Right. So I thought that they were your children, but Hiroko is their mother. So they had, she had children with you in vitro. Is that what you're saying? So Hiroko is not your daughter. Well, uh, I don't know about that. That's the, she, she was kind of, I felt like she was a daughter type thing. And this, and the grand, and I thought these were grandkids that come to see me. And uh, they did more than, yeah, yeah, my grandkids, basically, from the the lineage. I I don't, you know, that's what's confusing about this thing. They show you the kids one time. It it could be her kids. It could be my kids with my DNA. It could have been way back since I've had, I've had, uh, I guess, this, this ET thing going on almost all my life. I don't know exactly when that DNA or that sperm could have been taken to make even her. Or the and they kid. took some more. They took some more in 2010 in Sedona. Uh, yes, yes. So you, how, how many star children, if I can use that term, <laughs> do you suppose you might have? I don't know, Richard. I don't really. I, that's that's the weird part about it. That's what I keep scratching my head about. What is this all about? And who who were they? You know, this, I, but I got the impression that you only meet these people once. The kids and they, I met them. They walked away. And when they got up to her, my cousin started waking up. He said, what's going on? And he looked and he said, did you see them walk up to the lady? I said, yeah, I saw him. And he said, what the, you know, he started cussing. So I said, I said, I'll tell you, they got to, they met, they walked up to the stop line, stop sign together. And that was about 250 feet away from us. And we watched them. We just stood there. We sat there and we watched them and we just turned and said something to each other and they were gone in a flash. They didn't go up the road or down the road. They they just beamed up. I guess they were, they were gone. And and he said, "Can you see them?" I said, "No, they're not anywhere to be found." They didn't have a car. They didn't jump in a car. Or they didn't walk. They just beamed up and they were gone. And my cousin turned pale white. He got up and he was cussing me. He said, "Dave," he said, "You and these ETs." He said, "You're gonna you're running into danger with these with dealing with this type of stuff." Well, I said, "I'm not dealing with them. They came here." And he gets in his truck, and he was gone. He, he was scared to death. And I was sitting there wondering what the hell just happened. And I, I, so yeah, after you get dumbed down and you go through something like that, you you wonder, what is going on? And uh, I still don't really totally know. And Hiroko, happened. when she came to your house with these two boys, who may have been your grand grandchildren. Or even right. My, yep. she, uh, did she look old enough to have boys that age? How old was she? She looked like she was in her early 30s. Yes. Uh, okay. She, yes, yes, that she, would mean like, she was very young then. Yes. If, she had, uh, if these boys were 15, 16. Yes. And yeah. did she say anything to you in Illinois? No, no. She turned her back. She didn't show me her face. She didn't want me to know who she was. I knew who she was. You know, I can tell by looking, you know, but, but mm-hmm. I couldn't see her face. No, she, she and the boys didn't say anything to us except the one question. The one kept jiggling his leg and looking at me, and uh, and I thought, what's going on here? I what could think. What's <laughs> the point of all that? Why the family reunion? Do you suppose they they do that? They'll bring a baby back to a mother. Uh, you've heard of women having eggs taken away from them, and then you have a child, mm-hmm. and then three months they're they're taken away, and they'll bring them back one time to show you the baby, and then that's it. You won't see now. Them again. Earlier on, you mentioned Dr. David Jacobs, right? And Dr. Jacobs thinks that this whole human-alien hybrid program is rather sinister. He seems to think they, whatever they are, are raising an army. What do you think? I think they're, they're infiltrating us. Uh, they're, they're walking amongst us. Uh, sometimes I, I saw, actually saw a couple of strange people that I thought were uh, reptilian. The, the reptilians can shapeshift. And they shapeshift mostly in uh, in the form of a woman, and usually very attractive. So they can so they can attract the man, and then they have uh, babies, or they have they get the sperm of a man in the old traditional way, uh, not the way that they did me with the hose, but uh, that's that's how they do it. So uh, it's a it's something that's was she a shapeshifter? Uh, you know, was she a gray shapeshifter? Was she a reptilian shapeshifter? Who knows? I don't really know. Was she a hybrid? More, more than likely she was a hybrid because of the way she asked questions and she tried to elicit emotions from me. And that was right. the red flag. 
right. that was the last contact you had with Hiroko. Right. Yes, it was. But uh, just before that, in 2011, I had one of my biggest abduction uh, uh, attacks, I guess you can say. It was by 1.30 in the afternoon. I got really tired. And this is the way it starts on you. They get to, at that magnetic energy working on you and get real tired. So I went and rested my back. I have a bad back. So I leaned on my, my left side, and I cupped my chin in my, in my left hand. And I heard all this crackling behind me. I mean, it was kind of like stomping on about three boxes of crackers all at one time. And it was just really crackling behind me. And I turned around to look, and it hit me in the shoulder. And then I stiffened out. I couldn't move. And then I tried to move again. It hit me again. So I was really frozen then. I, I was looking out my door. It was a sunny day. I, had my, I can move my eyes. I can look out the door, and that's all I can do. And I, I, then I heard my sister voice in the hallway calling me. said, Dave, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. She was talking to me, but guess what? She, was, she passed away four years before that event. Oh, dear Lord. We've got yeah. about 60 seconds here. But yeah, the, then I felt the baby's hand in my fingers. It was at the headboard. And I thought, why are they showing me baby fingers and, and a palm? And I felt of it. And I said, oh, that's a human palm and fingers. And then something heavy set beside me. And then that's when I kind of, I just really jumped out of the bed and I said, oh, God, help me. You know, so it was all over within a, in, a, in an instant. Uh, uh, David Jacobs told me, he said, that that's, he said, they were bringing you back. They weren't abducting you. That was your, your coming back. I said, really? Okay, I've got to wrap it up here, Dave. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on to continue this. Very quickly, uh, give us a website or someplace where we can see pictures of you and Hiroko. Okay, uh, I don't really usually publish the pictures of ah. Hiroko, but I okay. do have videos on, on uh, YouTube. It's Dave Emmons' uh, ET event. I actually have a reptilian in my trail camera looking in the camera. I actually okay. do that on got- YouTube. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll have to leave it there. But Dave, thank you so much for this. Great talking to you again. We'll do it again. I, I, I love being on your show. Really like it. All right. Thank you, Dave. Thank when you. we come back, time travel. Do it yourself, time travel. Yes, you heard me correct. Ted Marr is next on The Conspiracy Show. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. 